Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Stampede, episode number 258. Hi! Welcome back to the podcast. New York sports and stuff. It is good to be here, man. We are coming to you live from Comac, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and Newtown, Pennsylvania. It's time for Ready to Unload. I had a little uh, swallow problem. Ready to Unload with Cal and Stampede. That's good radio. Hi, guys. It's a podcast. Uh, welcome back. We haven't been on in about three weeks, uh, but we got the night. We are free and clear to talk New York sports and other stuff. Going to be joined by the co-host of the program, Mr. Brian Calneva Capino Caliente, Brian Calvi in a second. And Cal. we are, that's the guy. And we are going to be joined by uh, Dominic Jansky from LighthouseHockey.com, the best Islander website there is. Dom has joined us before. He joins us again to talk about the Islanders. Slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. That's Eddie Vedder singing <laughs> Slip Sliding Away, clearly. Um, it is, uh, it's great to be back. We, um, we had some time off. Um, we're trying to get back to a, a regular type of schedule, but it's been a, a bit difficult with uh, people's schedules and children and lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. But we are here. We are ready to talk New York sports. So, as we often say, uh, go grab a cup of coffee. I got a cup of coffee. Nice. Um, uh, go grab uh, maybe a beverage, an adult beverage. Tomorrow is Good Friday, so a lot of people have off tomorrow. Go grab uh, maybe a glass of wine, maybe a little amount of Chevitz. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. And uh, we're going to talk about sports for the next uh, hour and a half, two hours. Nice. No big deal. It's, there's no pressure. It's a very low-pressure situation, I feel like. Um, so welcome back, episode number 258. Cal's doing this one from his living room, not the standard basement as he usually does. And um, it's a little off-putting, I'll be honest with you. Um, but he he is here. Well, he's not he's not actually here, right? The second he's he just he left. Looks like he went to go get a drink. Cal. That's right. I'm looking for him as well. He's sort of uh, integral. Integral? Integral. <laughs> the judicial system. <laughs> I have not had a drop of alcohol to drink today, and I sound like uh, judicial. It's not my fault, Your Honor. It's the judicial system. Which Dana Carvey once famously said, you cannot say without sounding drunk. Um, let's bring in the other uh, host of the program, the third man in, as he appears to be 
present. Oh, there he is. Wow, what is... Taking it back. Yes. Do, 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 do. Take me back. Do, 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 do. Take me back. Take me back. Long flowing robes. Splendid. He we is. have a few announcements from the church bulletin. <laughs> Bishop. <laughs> Pop culture. PJ. PJ. All night I'm going to be uh, too close to the mic guy doing the announcements, please. <laughs> so when we were getting ready to uh, get going tonight, Cal was testing his microphone and he was holding it up as if he was a, uh, a 1950s or 19, like he's got that big microphone. I have one too, this big like blueberry and it looks like an old school microphone. So he looked like Eddie Cochran, like he was just like, <laughs> like holding it up to his mouth. He's like, well, hello, baby, you... this is the big Baba speaking. <laughs> but you so aptly compared him to uh, the really uncomfortable either priest or brother at mass. Right. Who just has the microphone so close. Before we get started, I just want to make a few announcements. Easter floral arrangements are available in lobby after the mass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See if that doesn't modulate us right off the air. And everybody, everybody, like in the first four pews are like, you're too close. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you don't know how to say it to them because you're not going to interrupt right. like church. You're Dave, too close. This is your, this is your 500th mass, Dave. Back off the mic. Please stop eating the microphone. Please. I'm begging. Well, be Buffalo. <laughs> Second collection world. today will be going towards St. Mary's Church renovation. <laughs> the CYO <laughs> basketball team is getting new uniforms. Please. He's the co-host of the program. Uh, the oh, yin to my yang. The cow to my neva. The he gets the music back. <laughs> he is. I've missed this guy so. His name is Brian Calvi. Hi, Brian. Thank you for your support of the church community. Father Jim will be having a pancake breakfast this Sunday in the lower church. <laughs> it's always Father Jim, I feel like. Yeah, that's, well, that's they're, it all, they're all named Jim, James. Right. Or Father Paul. Right. Father, <laughs> Father Paul's been doing, this is 896 Mass. Why is he so close to the microphone? Please. Please. Hi, Brian. Hello, Stephen. PJ. It's been a while. I did a podcast. Uh, right. You can tell me. I, I nailed it. It's fine. That was um, perfect. I had a lot of auto-tune in that. Uh, <laughs> well, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good. I'm good, man. It is. Uh, it, it's great to be back. Um, we haven't been able to do a podcast in a couple of weeks. A lot has been going on in the sports world, in the real world. Well, maybe maybe you haven't had time to do a podcast. I've been keeping very busy. I I, I feel like that was a contradictory statement. 
I don't know. I don't know what that means. I have. I I too have not had time to do a podcast. No, you've been you've been uh, you've been quite quite busy, quite the uh, quite the worker lately, haven't you? Well, we it was uh, an exciting time last Friday. Very very exciting time. You tell. Um, I are we going to talk about this? Of course we're going to. How can we not? Well, before we talk about it, I I do want to um I want to take issue with calling my living room off putting. No, I <laughs> my wife would not. I didn't mean your living room itself was off-putting. I meant us doing the show with you sitting on the living room couch was off-putting. I believe the quote was, Cal is doing the show from his living room. It's off-putting. It, no, it's just the way it's decorated that looks lousy. Otherwise, it's the fine living room. It's just the decor. Other than that, well, that, that, that clears it up. Right. No, it's what, fourth what, collection today. We'll go for the Catholic living room renovation. <laughs> it's just that I usually I'm used to you doing the show in your basement at your little kind of bat cave setup, and right now you look like you're eating a TV dinner. Like you look like yeah, you well, just took a hungry you just took a hungry man out of the you're hunched over on the couch. And you look like you have like the. Have you gotten to the pie yet? Have you done the little pie? You always Hungry eat man. the brownie or the cobbler first. Oh, did you really? Oh boy. Always. I don't. I don't know about that. Huh? How frustrating was the corn in one of those things? The corn got it in everything. Right, and he got to try to get it up the side, like like bring it up like via elevator. So like bring it all was, the way over to the side. And there was nothing worse than when the corn would get in the brownie. Always. No, it's a disaster. Yeah. It's a complete it's a complete catastrophe. If you were eating the the turkey one with the stuffing underneath, that's all right. And you just brought in the corn viaduct, like you just brought that all together and just put it all in one thing. Right. Did you get into the Salisbury steak? Nah. I don't like that. I like the turkey. I like the meatloaf and I like the chicken. Which chicken? The fried chicken? The fried chicken. Surprisingly good, right? It was delicious. Those things were great. It was, it was probably the worst thing you could put in your body. Like was, you, might have, <laughs> you might as well have just taken the, uh, the, the salt shaker and poured it right down your throat. It achieved like, the exact same effect. I remember the grease situation on like the third piece of the fried chicken was literally like enough to, to probably, probably change the oil on your car. Yeah. It was was sliding on the plate, like back and forth. Like you couldn't even nail it down. Like you had to like, listen, I'm not even allowed to make skin contact with those things anymore. You know, like a pregnant woman with propecia. I can't, I can't touch the hungry man dinners anymore. It might leach. Into my system and kill me. <laughs> Pregnant women should not handle Propecia. PJ Kachova should not handle Hungry Man Dinners or Stouffer's. All Swanson products should be off limits to PJ Kachova. <laughs> and without express written PJ. consent of Major League Baseball. <laughs> without the express written, written consent. Right. Of the American Heart Association. Of the American Heart Association. <laughs> The American Heart Association recommends PJ Kachopa stay away from all Swanson products. That's right. 
I um I I remember eating those as a kid and and my mom like really having zero problem, like giving that to like a twelve year old kid, no problem. Nah, I you know, and quick, just quick and easy, quick and easy, nutritious. That's what you you you're so spot on about the salt content. I can't even imagine if we were oh. able to go back to like 1986 and just grab the <laughs> Swanson Hungry Man dinner and look at the sodium content on the back. Like, they, well, they didn't 1, print it. One thousand percent of your daily uh, intake. <laughs> oh, your right. of your monthly intake. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, here's the hint. Enough salt here's the month. It, it's not perishable for three years. There's a well, hint. There you go. <laughs> right. And and you can lay it down on ice. Best taken on long <laughs> sea voyages. <laughs> best on a rock best salt, used on the SS Minnow. Oh boy. Um well that's what you look like. You look like you're you're Oh, how about the chicken pot pie? Oh my. No, we've done that before. You didn't get into the chicken pot pie one? No. 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 Really? Not yeah. Even Marie Calendar? You wouldn't do Marie Calendar? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You're talking about food still, right? I don't even know who this Marie Calendar is. I've never ha- I've never had a Marie Calendar product. Oh, you'd know. Ever? Never. Really? You've never had Marie Calendar? No. Yeah. No, look at look at us with the double entendres. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> this show is this show is full of ribbles. We should body. um it is body. We should uh mention again that we are actually gonna talk about sports tonight. We're gonna be joined by Dominic Jansky from lighthousehockey.com, which is the best Islander website. I think bar none, right, Cal? Um Yes. I can't no think of a bar here in Moscow. I can't think of another one that's better. Islander I can think of Islander websites, but none better than Lighthouse Hockey. I agree. None. It's enormous. Uh, so no, Dom is, Dom has joined us before. Cal, he's he's been a great guest. And he's a, he's a, he's a half, well, he's mostly Islander fan, but he's also a Blues fan. Yes, I know. But he runs the Islander website. And the Islanders, there's a ton to talk about there, so we'll get to it. But um, you've been uh, very busy in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the adolescent dance world. In the dance community? I've been very busy yeah. in the dance community, yes. We should, we should definitely qualify that, what we mean by that. Ah, no, I think we just leave it at that. Leave it out there. Yep. Leave it open to interpretation. You are big in the adolescent dance community. Okay. But more importantly, why was last Friday such an exciting time for all I take, of us. I, all take of issue, us. I take issue with more importantly. For all of us. <laughs> I, can, I can honestly say last Friday was, was more important than anything else that happened last weekend. I disagree with that. To me. Well, that's very strong. I appreciate that. It was um, huge. My chest bursting. 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 Your chest was Ellen Burstyn? She has a nice chest. If you know me, you know that I have almost no occasion to be proud of my friends. No, that's that's, that's very much true. You you know my friends. Loses by the barrel. (laughs) 
However, you made me proud last uh, week. Well, thank you. I um, it's uh, it's been a weird week, weird wild stuff. Um, why are we so proud, Stephen? Why are we so I, proud? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so um, back in October, I was fortunate enough to um, get some acting work on a show called Daredevil on Netflix um, for season two. And it was the first time I had ever uh, gotten that. As some of you know, who maybe have listened to the show, I was on House of Cards in season two, and that was a nice small part. I was also on Blacklist, very briefly, getting shot as a cop. Um, the most uh, but this was cop in New York, as they labeled trusting it. cop ever. That's right. <laughs> Turning my back on a complete stranger. Hey, um, officer, what's that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> The cop who fell for the look over there. <laughs> um, uh, but so this good. was a uh, a little different. This was uh, actually four or five days of shooting. Um, actually, five days it wound up being um, over two episodes, and a uh, recurring character um, who's uh, had you know a lot of stuff to do. And it was um, a pretty wild experience. I shot it back in September, October. I signed about thirteen NDAs. Uh, non-disclosure agreements, so I couldn't really talk about it. Um, but yes, last Friday, season two of Daredevil came out, and my episodes are there. And uh, I was uh, on TV, as they say. Well, on the computer. On the computer. Yes. Yes. Right. You may my maybe second... you thought you could put it on the television if you wanted to. You could watch, you could watch it on, it on, your on computers. computers. Oh my god. <laughs> On the internet. Now you're my mother. Steven was on the internet. Steven was on the internet. That's right. That's what she's saying down at the, the Publix in my uh, son, Palm Bay, Florida. My son's on the internet. He's, <laughs> let me, he's dressed up. Nice. Let, me, let, let me stress. <laughs> let, me, let me stress. She has not watched it yet. I love it. Oh, I love it. Has not watched it yet. And it's exactly one calendar week later. One calendar week later. I think she's going with what you said, Cal. I think she's going to watch it eight weeks from now because I'm in episodes eight and nine. And so my mother wants to treat it as if it is on network television and refuses to watch them all at once and accept that a a network would release all their shows at one time. So so eight weeks from now, I'm going to get a phone call at about 1045 at night. The new episode, episode of Daredevil was just on, and you were terrific. <laughs> your, your your episode of Daredevil was finally on. That's thanks, mom. In my and world. you sh- and you should smile more. That'll be <laughs> a, that'll be the thing. Um, I actually as long uh, as the president isn't speaking and it preempts it. Correct. Although All my right. mother wouldn't be watch my mother wouldn't be watching that. Well, maybe it would, maybe it's a, a Republican debate. Yeah, then that yeah, then I would definitely get bumped. <laughs> um, uh, but it was no, it was all seriousness, and and I can speak for Bishop. It was great. We were proud of you. You were terrific, and uh, and it's just a real exciting time for you. So congrats. Thank you, thank you. That is very cool. Um, and I and I do appreciate that. It was it was um, it's weird. I I go through these um, I go through very um. Uh, weird, uh, weird set of emotions. I'll stop saying weird, but I you go through a very emotion. 
sassafras. I have very varied emotions when it comes to this kind of stuff. When I got House of Cards, it was the first big thing I had ever gotten acting-wise. And, and for some of you who don't know, you know, acting is something I've pursued often, mostly on for the better part of 16 or 17 years. Um, and so to get House of Cards was like that, um, like I made it, like I did it and I like, you know, it, it, and it aired and people were like, oh, this, this is great. Like you stuck with it. And I still get emails from people or like somebody on Facebook will be like, I just was watching House of Cards and I saw your scene and you were on. That's so great. Blah, blah, blah. So that, and it's super cool. I love all that. But I have this, I have this real problem. You and I have talked about this in the past. We don't need to turn this into a therapy session, but I have, uh, but we're going to. So so later. We're already talking about We're already talking, we're already talking about my mother. So um, I have this uh, very difficult time with feeling like I'm being conceited and or um, bragging. Um, I've had it since I was young, um, since I was a kid. And so, but I also, I want to tell everybody I was on Daredevil. Like I did this thing. I don't want to tell anybody because they're going to think I'm full of myself and, so well, that's a, where we come in. It's a weird we, dichotomy. We walk around and tell everybody, and then you don't have to. <laughs> I right. do. I blab it, to the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange. It is, it's, it's a strange set of emotions. And then I also I have a number of friends who um, do a lot of acting <laughs> and have done lots of stuff. And so my little, you know, small part on like Daredevil season two kind of pales in comparison to what some of my other friends have achieved. That doesn't diminish it or anything, but I get to this like, um, I get to this point of, well, what the hell am I celebrating so big time? Like I haven't done anything really yet. And then Teresa, my wife will kick me hard in the shins and be like, you, you idiot. (laughs) You know, it took you 13 years to get House of Cards. It took you 16 years to get a recurring, like, do you know how many people have stopped acting in that time or stopped pursuing it or just gave up or whatever? So a- anyway, I- I'm sorry to turn this into a uh, trust tree. Not, with a, the not a sprint. It's a marathon, as they say. Right. Uh, but all that said, it was super cool. It was an unbelievable experience because I got to do things acting wise I had never done before. Um, and that is like a no joke production. Like I'm, I'm two for two on like ridiculous, no joke productions. Uh, because house of cards wasn't either. And I got to work with an unbelievable director on house of cards who directs a ton of stuff. And then I got to work with two really great directors on the two episodes. In fact, the guy who did the second episode did Wayne's world too. Just odd. Like he's doing, but it's, it's funny because different programs. Yeah. Like, the second episode that I'm in, episode nine, and, and no spoilers or anything, but it's it's, and I I have zero to do with this, but it, it's being touted as like one of the best episodes of the entire series. Um, and for this guy to have directed that episode, like after doing Wayne's World, like, right. okay, <laughs> didn't, didn't episode's that a coming. little brutal. It's very brutal. Yeah. It's very very brutal. Um, but I got to work a lot with uh, John Bernthal because uh, uh, all my scenes were with him, and he was uh, fantastic, a really nice guy. And um, 
I got to work with Charlie Cox and Deborah, uh, Ann Wall and, and just everybody in that cast and stuff were, were, were great and accommodating. And it was an incredible experience. It was great. And I think it, I think it looks good. I, it's hard for me to watch. <laughs> it really is. Like I watched it the morning of just to make sure I was in. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, cause I had that experience. I, my, my big debut was going to be on uh, days of our lives. Yeah. I had two lines on days of our lives and they shot it. And then like three weeks later, I had all of Brooklyn, like watching days of our lives and they cut it. And it was, yeah. I lesson learned. I told everybody, you want to talk about priests. Priests were probably watching that. Like my grandmother yeah. had probably gone to the, that was father, <laughs> father Carmine. Um, so I watched it to make sure that I was on. And then I, watched it I've watched it a couple times to get my clips for my reel but that's it like I, it's hard <laughs> you know because wow. I'm kind of super critical of it it's but, something um, to be anyway, proud of thank you thank you guys hard, no matter how hard you think it is to watch it some that's something that you can you can show anybody and be proud of it and and it's it's you did a good job you thank you, man. Thank you. It was, um, thank you. I, I, I do appreciate that. And I've, I've already gotten some really positive feedback from, uh, whether it be, uh, uh, the, the agency that I work with a little bit or my manager or whatever, everybody's really kind of pleased and sees it as like a stepping stone and hopefully we'll get some more, you know, um, and hopefully we'll do some more. So yeah, yeah. You can see me playing shockingly, a law enforcement uh, law enforcement that's three three for three it's the shoulders man you've got the shoulders it's got to be the shoulders it's got to be the shoulders um, and the jeans. It was cool. it was, and the jeans yeah well my dad right being a New York City cop doesn't hurt but um, uh, we'll see hopefully there's some more stuff in the hopper I've had a, a few auditions not as many as I like but isn't that well, amazing? Well, that may change now. Yeah. Hopefully. I hope so. It was cool. I mean, it, it, you know what my favorite? I told you my favorite part. My favorite part so far. There's been like three really awesome things. One was texting you to say, oh, I'm in it at like 7 o'clock in the morning. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like you were like the first person to like turn it on. That was amazing. Um, that was really, really super cool. You beat everybody. You beat everybody that morning. That- that was the goal. And of course That's you beat my mother by, by eight days now. So. Uh, and counting. <laughs> we had a bet, PJ, we had a bet about whose mother would watch it first. Cause Cal's mom has been all excited about this. Mm-hmm. And I bet Cal like $8,000 that his mother would beat my mother to watch it. And she, going. My she, mother not watched it yet. She hasn't watched it yet either. She just, she's just back from Florida. So, Oh, that's right. She was in Florida. Right. I got, I got a reminder. You know, the other thing is, my, did you put an out, Outlook reminder in for her? I put a calendar event right. on her Outlook. Right. The other amazing thing is uh, my mom is retired um, and relatively ambulatory. Right. And, uh, you know, it's not like she's got to, like, work or anything. <laughs> I mean, she gets around. And stuff, but, um, well, maybe she's, you know. maybe she's watching Daredevils starring Jan Michael Vincent. She's wondering <laughs> where the hell you are. I watched the whole thing, Stephen. 
you wouldn't have to. She's going to call me. She's going to call me. Are you that? I thought Jan Michael Vincent was dead. You didn't tell me he was in that show. Like, yeah, um, he is dead. I said everybody on the block watch Dead Devils. Watch, watch Dan Devils. That's a, it's a cooking show. Is that that evil Knievel thing that you were in? Oh, <laughs> uh, I told you. She's like Linda, Linda Evangelista. She doesn't get out of bed for anything less than network. <laughs> I told you not to ride motorcycles, Stephen. A blind superhero? Is that a true story? <laughs> true story. That's what she's going to say next, my mother. Uh, well, was, well, congratulations. Uh, the, other, the other, thank you. The other really super cool thing that I know you guys will appreciate, and I told you about this, Cal, but I, I didn't tell you, Peach, is um, so when House of Cards came out, the president of the United States, who I am a big fan of, was tweeting about how he couldn't wait to watch House of Cards season two and then tweeted after he watched it, like, I can't believe this happened or I can't believe that happened. And he talked about it in a couple of interviews and stuff too. Like he was a huge fan of the show, which meant that at some point uh, President Obama saw me act because yeah. I was lucky, lucky enough to be in a pretty crucial scene early on in the, in the, in, in episode two. So having that moment now, because Pat Oswalt is tweeting like over and over again about how episode nine of season two is the best episode of the entire series. And so at some point, Pat Oswalt had to have seen me act, right. which is kind of cool. Like it's, you know, yeah. that, that, that kind of thought is, is kind of cool. The other and thing I'm, about this the other, the, the, that's important to note is that you're not just like walking in the background either. <laughs> right. You're, they're, they're, you belong in, in what you're doing. So that's why yeah. that's what makes it important. You know, his, Thank you. his face is very important to the show. Yes, it is. It is. I got I got really lucky again. I did. I got really lucky again. And they never I have a name like the character. The character has a name, but they, the show, did they? they never say the name. No. And if you watch the beginning of episode nine, they explain why I was there in episode eight. But they do it without me having a scene with an important person. Mm-hmm. Right. And I watched no the beginning spoilers. of episode nine. I'm like, I'm like, they could have totally had a scene with me. But they, they just, <laughs> that's, not the way they, that's not the way they wrote it. Um, but yeah, I'm lucky enough to be in a couple of, of kind of important scenes, especially in, in episode eight. That's a very, very big scene. Um, and I knew it would be. And that was like a crazy, it was a crazy day. It was all very, very um, super cool for me to do a lot of stuff acting wise I'd never done. So there's some shots in there and some stuff that's like, okay, now the camera's an inch away from your face. I said this to you, Cal, at the time, and uh, and I'll say it again. You put me on a stage in front of 5,000 people, I know what I'm doing. I know how to find my light. I know how to move around on stage. I know how to present myself. I know how to stay in the moment. I know how to tune them out. I know how to do everything. You put me on a <laughs> on a sound stage or on set with, like, a whole bunch of people and just a camera, and I'm not acting to anybody, and, like, I have to make up a sight line and 
there's people milling about and stuff and they're trying to do a close up and the camera's about an inch and a half from your face and they're like, Oh, look at this dot. Okay, fine camera. Okay, and act. Wait, what? It was a new experience to, to do that. But I can do it. I can do it. Um so thank you guys. Thank you. I, 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 I and I don't mean to sound um ungrateful or anything. It is a big deal. It's super cool and I am proud of it and I need to just own it. Own it a little more and not expect calls to come in tomorrow to be a series regular on Law and Order. So let me just. Why not just wear a Daredevil T-shirt when you leave the house? <laughs> just, just do that. That would be enough, right? That guy's it's always hard. wearing a Daredevil T-shirt. Why is he it's always hard. wearing a shirt? I don't want to like post it on the social media and stuff. Like it's hard. You Look, did though, and you should. And you I got posted... a lot of you got a lot of kudos. Yeah, I posted one thank you to everybody and letting because my uncle started putting the pictures up from the episode and stuff and you know from right. the episodes and I didn't want to I I wanted to kind of head off any spoilers at the pass you know because that's not fair for people who want to watch the series and I, and I I couldn't like not acknowledge it no no so I you know I thanked my my agent and my manager and the casting director who cast me. That was appropriate. You know, well, this is twice that she's cast me now. She's kind of uh, yes. awesome. Yeah, she's kind of awesome. So, well, um, and, and she's a fan of mine. So as long as I keep getting hired and not getting fired, you could to- I could have told, I'll tell the story someday. I could have totally gotten fired in a number of instances here. There are enough people on that set who like, if they didn't like me, could totally have gotten me fired. Like if they didn't like my face or the way I was acting in a particular scene or whatever, could have totally gotten me fired. Totally. So the fact that you weren't is credit to you. I feel like not getting fired was I no, I feel like that was like a win like the first day. Then by like the third or fourth day, and Teresa said this to me. She's like because I kept saying to her, like, I'm just trying not to get fired. And she's like, Honey, you're not gonna get fired. They hired you for a reason. Like own it and stop it. Right. And she, right. and she was right. And like so this yeah. stuff too. She's very smart. Yeah. I outkicked my coverage on that one, without a doubt. As Rex Ryan once famously said. And all um and all that stuff and things like that. Right. Uh we should get to uh our guests. So that's enough about the Daredevil stuff. Um uh but it it, it was great. It's super experience. Thank you guys. Hopefully there's more to come and um uh yeah, this is all true. Um yep. Let's get to this uh, sports. Should we get to sports? We can go right to Dominic here. Sure, I would love. Is he is he available? He is. He's on the line. Let's bring him in. Let's bring in. We've got Dominic a lot Kansky. to talk about. Oh, we have a ton to talk about. He is uh, the he runs the blog uh, LighthouseHockey.com with Dan Sarsini. We should mention because Dan would get upset. Um, but he is uh, a previous guest. He's been on before. He's a fantastic guy. He runs an awesome site. There it is. <laughs> you found the fanfare for the common man music. Excellent. New York Islanders hockey tonight from the forum. The Islanders face the Minnesota North Stars. Um, he is Dominic Jansky. The website is lighthousehockey.com. Hey, Dom. Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? Up, uh, you know, just uh, I was thinking uh, – well, I don't know based on your invite for sure, but I'm thinking uh, 
I'm handling this season better than Dan is and maybe better than you guys are. And uh, I think it's because I have no expectations. (laughs) Ah, there we go. (laughs) There it is. Well, what a great place to jump in. Um, Dom, uh, first of all, thanks for coming back on the program, man. Um, It is great to hear from you. And um, obviously the site has been amazing this year. I think the site has been important this year. I'm not understating that. I think it's been a very important place for Islander fans. And and I've been in the chat, you know, or in the comment sections a lot more this year than I have in previous years. Um, I think it's been an important place for Islander fans to kind of gather themselves, especially where Dan and you and Dan seem to be on a little bit of opposite ends of the spectrum um, in terms of, as you just said, how you're handling the season, but you guys are doing an amazing job there this year and really doing, I'm not overstating it, really doing a service to Islander fans because this has been a unbelievably difficult year because even if you take away the gameplay, you take away what's gone on in these, you know, 73 games or whatever it is, um, they moved to Brooklyn. They, they don't play on Long Island anymore. The entire franchise was uprooted after 45 years or 43 years and moved to an entirely different location. And I think Islander fans were go to sites like yours um, to feel a comfort and to kind of feel a familiarity with fellow fans who are going through the same thing. So I'm not overstating it when I say this has been a really important year for your website. Have you have you guys right off the bat have you guys found that at all in terms of the commenters and com commenters yeah commentary you, you know yeah <laughs> commentary it if you will it's you know I, <laughs> first of all I appreciate that that that's the, those are flattering words um, it was definitely founded as a group therapy site um, back in the darkest days probably and. Uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about whether this was an important year, you know, for the site or, or for any anything it does for fans, but it it has been yeah, it's 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 been that. It's it's funny like the 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 sort of trauma if you will of of moving after all these years and you know, it it finally put the whole Colise- Coliseum drama behind us in a way, but then it's Brooklyn which has its own or Barclays Center, I should say, has its own you know, issues and nuances. And so the, the season started with, like, all, all we heard was, you know, either pissing and moaning about the move or, like, you know, the other side, hey, get, you know, just deal with it. It was happening. It was the best uh, uh, of several, you know, weaker, uh, weaker alternatives and stuff. And then, so it's almost like that stuff has settled down and then everybody realized, like, oh, wait a minute, we've, we're actually in this to root for a hockey team and the – you know the team's doing well by standards of the previous decade, but not <laughs> not where anybody wants it. And and there's just this sort of weird, it's you know, ennui or something about about how they've been doing. So I don't know. Yeah, it, I guess it has been good to sort of process it and have everyone process it out loud and debate what's going on and debate, you know, the the good decisions and the Brian Strait decisions of our of our favorite team. <laughs> well. Dominic, I want to get some more information from you on how you and Dan are viewing this season differently because Steve and I are going through our own little dance about the Islander season, and we're coming at it from two completely different angles as well. I wanted to kind of get your opinion. Like, 
how are you looking at the season versus how Dan's looking at the season? Because I feel like Islander fans in general, everybody's looking at it in so many different ways. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I, I think hockey wise, Dan and I are pretty on like, are in pretty similar uh, outlooks about the team and about the decisions and, and, and that's sort of in the middle of like, you know, we appreciate what, Garth Snow has done largely in, in, in rebuilding and doing things, but also are are disappointed by the performance of the team and like the failure to, to take another step forward. Um, I think for him, it just hasn't been a fun season. And I, and the, yep. <laughs> I feel bad for him cause I've, I've pulled him into this, but you know, sometimes it, the act of running a site uh, with an active commentary itself can be depressing at times because you know, sometimes you just, even though what people do is natural reaction, sometimes when you see a certain volume of it, you just get tired of it, tired of hearing the same complaints or the same uh, debates run over and over. But uh, so, I mean, I think and the way, like the team has been just, you know, they weren't, they're not as fun to watch as they were last year. Um, there's not as many like breakout promising kids, you know, even the like boy Chuck and Letty haven't had as good a year as they had last year. So everything was fun and cool, and it was last year of the Coliseum, and all that was exciting. And this year, even though they're in a fairly similar position um, in the standings, the way they've gotten there has been completely unexciting. And, and I, I think, you know, I was thinking about it, like every team that's done – well, every team outside of Washington in the East has had hot streaks and really cold streaks. Like it's happened to the Rangers, the Penguins, the Bruins, like all these teams have at one point been like, Oh, they're on fire. They're doing well. They have a brilliant coach and other points where they're just in the doldrums and the Islanders. They've, I think their longest streak winless streak was the one they just had of four games. Like they, they've had three game win streaks and three game losing streaks and two game win streaks and two game losing. And, And like, that's what it's been all season long. And so it's felt like this just sort of, there's no momentum. There's nothing like really capturing uh, the excitement and hope. And so I, I think um, to start, just to get to the point, like for Dan, that's made it unfun. For me, I've I've got another kid in diapers, uh, my second. So it's all I can do to just like steal uh, an hour and a half to watch actual games, which is just heaven for me. So it hasn't like depressed me uh, on the same level, I guess. That's uh, that's. Almost exactly what's going on over here as far as poor Steve has been dying with this team all season. So upset. I feel so bad for him. And I've got like a detachment to the team, partially because they moved and they were once 15 minutes from my house and now they're further. So I haven't been to any games. And also because I kind of pegged them from the beginning. Like this is, this all feels very similar to last year, but not as fun. So my yeah. expectations are much lower. And Steve, why don't you uh, give us your opinion? Well, no, I think that's I think that's spot on. Uh, it's funny as you were speaking, Dom. Like Cal, Cal and I are looking at it because we're we're in a video chat as well, and we're looking at each other and just laughing because everything <laughs> you said is exactly what he said to me about why he's not as into them this season, that it's not as fun and the kids aren't breaking out. And, um, you know, Letty and Boychuk aren't new anymore and shiny. And, and it just doesn't seem like they're having a good time 
as they've gotten here. It's been like a slug, a slough. I don't know what's the word, but um, a slog. You know, a slog. Thank you. To get to get to where they've gotten to, and I really, we have to go back a little bit though. We have to preface this with the Mets <laughs> going going to the World Series and losing something that Cal and I hadn't experienced in 15 years. And I put everything back into the Islanders, like everything. So, so I was on with the Islanders from game one of the season because I put every piece of emotion, the crushing heartbreak of that loss to the Royals in the World Series, I put it all into the Islanders. I went all in, like, from the get-go. And I also I have a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old who are hockey junkies, <laughs> who are, like, they, they, we watch Islander games every night. Like, I watch the games with them. They watch the first period, then they go to bed, then I watch the rest. Like, this is our routine. And they're wearing their jerseys around. Like, they're, they're so all in on the Islanders. So, and, they pretend, and they pretend to be interviewed by Shannon Hogan. They do. <laughs> Should I tell them? <laughs> I got I to gotta tell, <laughs> tell you this story. So my kids, my, my boys play hockey all the time, Dom, all the time. There's a hockey stick in their hands yeah. from the moment they get up. Wesley's uh, the older guy starting to play a little ice hockey. A um, little bit. I never played ice hockey, so it's a whole new world there. But, um, and so they have the nets and the sticks and stuff like that. So the other day we're outside playing. Uh, the two-and-a-half-year-old, by the way, gets up at like 5 or 5.30. And by the way, that never ends, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. <laughs> right. And we, and we go downstairs, and I put on the NHL network so he can watch highlights. Like, he'll just sit there and watch highlights. And then we'll flip over to MLB so he can watch that. But anyway, um, they're junkies. Like, they really are. So they're playing outside the other day, and it's all, you know, they all pretend to be guys and stuff. Oh, Brock, Brock Nelson passes over to Kyle Oposo. He shoots, he scores, you know. They're so, like, they're so conditioned. And, like, I'm going to be Nick Letty. I'm going to be – and this is, like, the two-and-a-half-year-old is, like, I'm Kyle Oposo. So they're, they're playing, they're playing, they're playing. I'm cleaning out my car. They're in the driveway playing hockey in the driveway, and I'm cleaning out my car while they're playing. And I hear Wesley, the older guy, saying, well, we just tried to uh, score some goals, and we scored more goals than the other team, and um, it was a really great win for us. Thanks, Shannon. <laughs> And I look over and I'm like, what is he doing? Right? And then the little guy, the two-and-a-half-year-old goes, we scored goals, we shot a puck, we scored goals. Thanks, Shannon. And he, like, walks away. So I'm like, I creep up on them, Dom, and they're giving post-game interviews. They're giving pretend post-game interviews to Shannon. Shannon Hogue. And it's, 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 it, you know, Wesley comes back. He's like, hey, the Islanders win five to nothing. And then he stands there with his stick, like, like stick up, <laughs> like by his helmet. And he's like, we scored more goals. We tried to pass it really well. I think, I think Wesley may have even thrown in a, the boys played really well tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. So it, it was one of those moments where like, holy cow, you can't teach that. You cannot teach that. Yeah, that's hockey cliche savant already right there. <laughs> right. He's, already, he's already got, like, all his JT cliches down. It starts with me. I think he may have said it starts with me. Um, but anyway, just to go back to, to where we are in this season, so I've been all in. I've been very, very much 
living and dying with this team. But I cannot deny the fa- the Nashville game broke me. That's yeah. when I officially got broken. And Cal has been texting me nightly, going back and forth, like, nah, didn't even watch tonight. Didn't even watch. <laughs> and he seems so much happier than I am. And I, and then the Nashville game happened, and it broke me. That was my that was my breaking point. Now we have been simpatico, hockey wise, this whole time. Like the decisions that be that are being made, where the team is deficient. I think because I've watched every game and Cal has not, mm-hmm. I've been able to maybe report on some of the things that are better than last year or not as good as last year. Um, but that said like Capuano's decisions, the line shuffling, the line bingo, like all that stuff, we've been very much on the same page. Just like you said, you and Dan are. But I'm not enjoying this at all. Yeah. Help. (laughs) (laughs) And the natural game was it. That was was the last straw for me. That was the first game I turned off after watching the first period with the boys, and didn't turn back on. I didn't turn it back on. I admit it. But, Tom, Tom, where do you think they're at at this point? They've got nine games left in the season. They're, they're clinging to a playoff spot. Um, they could finish in the, in the two or three spot and play the Rangers or the Penguins. They could drop and wind up playing Washington. They could miss the playoffs altogether. There's only nine games left, and there's so many different possibilities. What, where – What's your take on the team right now? You know, it, it, I, I'm sure they're going to give us a couple crushing losses against bad teams, and they're also going to like reel off three wins against, you know, some of the contenders that they have left on their schedule. Um, I, it, I I joked in the beginning, but it's true. I come from this like history of of low expectations, whether it's being Czech or just following the Islanders and also the Blues <laughs> for years. So, I mean, I, I, I can see several scenarios. I can see them dropping all the way to the eighth seed, uh, knocking off Washington in the first round, and then losing horribly in the second round. I can see them, you know, climbing up and being the road team against the Rangers in the first round. Uh, and, you know, maybe giving us a feel-good win there and then also losing in the second round. Or... You know, I could see them dropping all the way and playing the Atlantic, uh, whoever wins the Atlantic, and, and, and crushing us that way. And, and I, I guess, uh, you know, it, it, I was thinking, like, I think they'll get out of the first round somehow, but I think that's probably just wishful thinking or, like, me thinking, you know, it, my expectations, I don't ask for much, so just give me that, and then we'll, you know, <laughs> put the 93 thing behind us, and then we'll deal with the – yeah, yeah, and then we'll deal with the misery. I, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I, I actually – I go into a season – and it's funny because – so we're the, we're the creators of this blog and, and, and like and – God, I, I, I pity Arthur Staple because of the comments he must get, like as if he can control what <laughs> the team does. Because just from the small bit that we get where it's like, why aren't you trading someone or why – like as if we can make a difference. But so once the team does its moves in the summer – that kind of sets my expectations bar, like whether I agree, agree with them or not, you know, and this year, like they didn't do much. Like I was happy they got Grice, but I was like, okay, okay, clearly they're going to try to run with this group and see if they take another step. And if they don't, then this summer is going to bring changes. So 
Um, I, I, I think my, like my capacity for enjoying this is uh, somewhat built on, on that expectation that started with, with the beginning of the season. That it's like, and I think that's what's kind of made it feel weird, too, is sort of knowing this is probably the last run with this group. Like they kind of built a core and had prospects, and, and you know, Nelson and Strom and Lee and all these guys have been promoted. And then, um, but with, you know, Acaposo's free agency coming up, it's kind of like we know it's going to be a different team next year. Like that they decided to stick with this group one more time, and then next year is going to be different. And just nothing they've done in the regular season gives us any belief. And it almost seems like they don't have the belief either, where they're like, well, yeah, we lost in the first. I think that was a close's quote the other day, like we lost in the first round last year, and, you know, that's not good enough. We've got to do better. And it, it just feels like uh, they'll be happy if they get through one round. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they do that just for a lot of psychological reasons. <laughs> Hey, you know, that's the overwhelming feeling I've gotten from them this year. And I wanted to get your take on it, too. And it sounds like you're looking at it the same way I am. I felt such a sense of complacency out of them all year, dating back to last summer, where they yeah. came off of a real tough loss in, in, in the first round to Washington last year. And they were primed to make a couple of moves to really try to improve the team. And Steve, Steve points to the TJ Oshie signing for Washington all the time. They didn't sit still. They went out and they got Oshie. And, yep. and the Islanders sat back and they didn't really improve their team significantly. They, they, they tweaked it here and there. And the Grice signing actually turned out to be a savior for them. But all season, there's just it felt like well, we were there last year. We've got the same group. So if you do the math, we'll be there at the end of this year. So we just kind of got to get through the regular season to get to the playoffs, which is where we really want to be. And it's just made for a, a strange feeling for the year. Yeah, it, it has. And, like, sometimes I've, I, I've honestly wondered, like, God, are these guys trying to pace themselves? Like, did they feel just spent by the end of last season to, to get where they did? And, you know, by game seven, they're, you know, like I, I'm wondering, like, does that explain the slow starts all season or, or you know, or whatever? But, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's probably fair to say, like, Garth Snow's sort of um, not bunker mentality, but building, like, you know, loyalty and, and you know, community and us against the world and, yeah. and you know, don't – don't air dirty laundry, kind of that thing. Like I, I think that's paid off for him. That that's built certain certain amount of you know cohesion and and loyalty and maybe even you know under market contracts among the players. But there's also something to saying like groups need some kind of infusion or, or, or shake up each year in order to not be complacent. And you know it it just feels like that's been them this year. They've they've been complacent or they're waiting for for something else to happen or they're waiting for. You know, they'll find another switch in the playoffs. But, you know, and I, like uh, apparently they made a decent run at Justin Williams, who, you know, had his pick and, and chose uh, the Caps. And so that's fair enough. But, yeah, like the Oshi trade, you know, stuff like that. It's like, okay, Washington did not sit still. And they, they improved their bottom six, too. They got some guys down there. So, like, Washington just made move after move after move over the summer. And, and you know, I, I wonder if that has an effect even within the group where, where – they're like, yeah, we believe in each other, and we like playing with each other, but, you know, we're not going to be that much different from last year. 
I think that exists, though. I do. I think it, that exists in this group. I, I think that yeah. there is a there is a a lack of accountability. Look, they existed in this perfect little bubble on Long Island for like the last five years, where it was just them and the coach and the you know and they're they they've been able to exist in a vacuum and just rebuild this little team and have nothing, you know, just each other in this small community. And well, they're not there anymore. Yeah. And the expectations are, the expectations are far greater now. And I think you guys, Hey, look, I've watched every game. I've missed maybe five games this year. And I think there is absolutely something to the idea of there's a lot of nights where they roll their helmet out on the ice and expect to win. Yeah. You know, and, and, and don't, you know, play hard shift to shift. They really don't. I mean, you can see it. It's certain guys don't play hard shift to shift. They really don't. Now, I, I, I do want to unpack the hockey itself because you guys are so good at that at, uh, at Lighthouse, you know, the combination of advanced metrics or, or whether it just be eye tests. Like, I do want to unpack the hockey itself because I have watched this team a ton. And there's a number of interesting theories about why – uh, say John Tavares has struggled or is not, you know, having the same kind of year that he had last year. Um, and I, I'm, I wonder where you are on some of these, Dom. So I just want to throw a few out to you um, in terms of what's actually happening on the ice, right? So I think something you guys have talked about a lot on the, on the, on the website, and I totally feel is true, and Cal and I have talked about it a ton. Gar Snow expected Nelson, Lee, and Strom to take huge steps. The expectation was, well, maybe we don't have to go out and get T.J. Oshie, which was silly, but maybe we don't have to go get T.J. Oshie because that's going to be Brock Nelson this year. That's going to be Travis, or, uh, Travis Lee. That's going to be Anders Lee this year. And you've watched these guys on the ice. Those three guys, Tom, what is going on with them? Are they having trouble playing within this system? Are they having trouble getting shifted from line to line at all times? Is it an effort problem? What is going on with these three guys? Why have they? And I know Brock Nelson has 24 goals. I know he does. <laughs> yeah. But it's the quietest 24 goals of all time. I mean, it, really it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. So what is, what is going on with these three guys that you have seen? I, you know, I wish I knew because their, their, their underlying numbers have, have each dropped off too. And, and, you know, I mean, that, there was a question last year of, you know, Anders Lee, is this, is this for real or is this fluky? But like he was on the ice, get, you know, shots happened when he was out there, he was, he was getting it done. And so, um, you know, if anybody will have a, a kind of slumpish year where stuff, the bounce is just going aren't going their way. But um, I mean, he's had a tough year generating shots. Nelson's numbers have dropped back. Like he seems like, he was going to be a really difference, a real difference maker. And again, yeah, the, the 20 plus goals are, are great, but like just his overall play hasn't been there. Strom, um, you know, I understand. He's why a wreck, did. He's Yeah. A wreck. Yeah. He's and I totally wreck. get like trying tough love with him and doing the demotion and stuff, but it just feels like rather than pay off that it's kind of have, it's reduced his own expectations of what he can do as a player, you know, right. and I, I don't know. It's funny. Some of the stuff you say, like, you know, that, that they go out there and roll their helmets or not trying, like, you know, those are those moments where I'm like, ah, I do kind of sympathize with Capuano in a way because <laughs> he's probably racking his brain trying to see, like, 
what it is, what needs to be done to get these guys uh, to go back to where they are, even on, on an effort level. But at the same time, you know, it's his job to, to find that switch or, or find that level of, um, you know, love versus tough love and motivation. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I wish I had an explanation for it. I, I, I don't. Um, Strom well, was the he, one who scares me the most. Right. Yes, I agree. And he, frustra- he frustrates me to no end because the ability is clearly there. Yeah, it's right. clearly there. But I, I have to I have to jump on something you just said because it's something I've been saying all season, and you brought up the coach, so fine, we'll go there because <laughs> we have to. Because you can't talk about this team without talking about its coach. And is he too? We had this conversation last year when you were on the show. Like, yeah. he's too close, and he remains too close to them. Like you, you said, well, they they tried tough love with Strom, right? But you don't sit Bailey. So, like, Strom looks at that yeah. and he's like, I see Josh Bailey, and Cal, you said this a while back, shame on the organization. Yeah. I'm, sure Josh Bailey's, I'm sure Josh Bailey's a lovely guy, and, and guys like him in the locker room and stuff like that, and he, I know he's a hard worker. I know he works hard. He's not that good at hockey. He's just not, unfortunately. He's, he's the best player I'll ever see if I were to be on the ice with him. <laughs> but on the NHL level, He's not a top six forward. He's not. And how does he play every night? Like at some point, like Ryan Strom's got to be like, what do you mean you're sitting me? Like I'm slumping a little bit. This guy hasn't scored in 25 games. And you still run him out there every night. And then you put him on the top line. Like these guys at some point with Capuano have to be scratching their heads. Ryan Pollock not playing, you know, after – he scores his first goal and getting benched for Brian Strait. I know Brian Strait's the whipping boy of all whipping boys. I get that. But, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of thing with Capuano. I have to ask you guys this question. Cal, you and I have talked about this a lot this season. And I've talked to my brother, who's a monstrous Island fan a lot. I want to get your opinion, Dom. Because it, it relates back to that question of these three guys and not knowing what's going on with these three guys and trying to motivate these three guys. Who has Jack Capuano and his coaching staff made better at forward? Who? Who under their watch has developed into a big-time forward? Other than John Tavares, who was going to anyway? Like, their record is terrible with these forward. There there are four first-round draft picks there. Five. Five. Because Oposo, you know, Oposo, Lee, yeah. Nelson, Strom, Bailey, there's five guys. And there's four more coming. And there's four more yeah. coming. Like, I don't trust them to, to be with these four. Right. They've you fear for the children. You, we do fear, <laughs> I do fear for the children. Like, what is – Dom, honestly, what has he done to make any of these guys better? He hasn't. Uh, it, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I Tra- Travis, Travis Hamannick has developed into an excellent defenseman under his tutelage, under his watch. Maybe he's only good with defensemen. Maybe that staff is only good with defensemen. Calvin DeHaan's developed into a very nice top four defenseman. Maybe he's only yeah, good with defensemen. Yeah, Because the forwards yeah, are, are, are a disaster. Hickey, right, yeah. what they've done with Thomas Hickey. The forwards are a disaster. A disaster. Five yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> right. They say the right things about, you know, wanting these guys to be complete player players, which I, you know, personally really believe in, like, you know, give me your, 
Patrice Bergeron over, you know, I, I, I don't know, somebody who's just offense only or something. But, yeah, they, they say the right things about it. And, I, and I've heard that as an explanation for uh, Tavares' scoring drop-off this year. Is that, right. You know, oh, well, he's, you know, paying attention to his to his own end more. Although, I, and I haven't looked at his numbers in that category versus previous years, but I definitely, just from what I've seen, have not seen that on the regular. Or at least I, I've seen the same sort of Tavares superstar tendencies, which you put up with because he's the franchise and all that, but you still want He's like, God, God, I want that. I want my center <laughs> busting his tail a little bit more than that yeah. to get back. Well, you know, especially about, just if you're talking about going far in the playoffs, you know. But anyway. Yeah, no, we, we, you bring up Tavares, and that's a, that's a great point to talk about because Steve and I go back and forth on this also. And maybe it's, maybe it's this season, and it's a little bit of an aberration, but you watch John Tavares now, this year, and I don't see one of the top ten players in hockey anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see a guy like Tavares making his team around him better like a guy like Stamkos does on Tampa Bay. You know, I mean, Tavares is, is, is an insane talent. Nobody's ever going to say he's not. And he's a world-class hockey player. But one of the things that I come back to is, is him being the captain of this team. Is that affecting his play? Is he taking on too much uh, from a leadership standpoint, and and it's it's you know, almost like he's 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 taking on too much for he's relying on himself to do too much right now. What do you think? I I think that's possible, but I think the player in, in person he is. There's no way he's not going to be captain. So it's kind of, no, I think you're. Not. Yeah, so like you have what you have, and maybe that stuff is weighing him down. I, but yeah, I don't know. And with him, there, there's that chicken and egg question too of like the guy hasn't had regular wingers, and you know, basically since Matt Molson and, and Pierre Parento. So does that sort of does that add complexity to him? You know, the guy's trying to be a, a superstar and carry the offense, but he has to adjust to to different sets of wingers every time the team goes into a, a slump or, you know, their offense drives. I mean, to me, that could be as much of a, a burden as, you know, the duties of being a captain. I mean, he he seems like one of those guys who clearly wants to have all that responsibility and, and wants to be the face. So, I mean, I I would doubt that that that's a major factor in, in, in what's happening to him. But, yeah, I don't know. That's just my guess and my read on, on it. Um, I think you, I, I, no, I think you have several good points there, Dom, and there are things that that Cal and I have talked about a lot in terms of, you know, the quote unquote what's going on with the captain this year. Is it as simple as he's not having as good a year? I think the line shuffling is a huge problem. Um, I also noticed this uh, in a number of games, and Cal didn't seem to notice it as much, but I feel like on fi- at five on five, and I don't know if the numbers bear this out. Uh, his possession numbers or whatever. But I feel like during five-on-five play, Dom, when he enters the offensive zone, he's got three guys on him immediately. Like, teams are almost... That seems to be the game plan, that the minute he comes over the blue line, like, three guys are going to go to him because there's no one else on that line that scares anybody. And they've shifted it so many times. 
He's had so many yeah. different line mates this year that he doesn't know where a guy's going to be. He doesn't, you know, th- there's not the familiarity there that he needs. And so he's trying to do too much possession wise. And it really seems to have taken him out of his game in previous years when he would operate, you know, kind of uh, have possession over the blue line and be able to see the ice much, but like these, these blind drop passes to nobody and, you know, the, or, or now I've noticed a lot of the second that somebody is on him, you know, or the second he's got two guys on him, he's frustrated. He's, you know, he's, he's giving the puck away. It's, it's easy giveaways now. Like he used to be hard to get off the puck. Yeah. And I, I, I've seen a very frustrated guy. He seems like, he seems almost like us watching the team this season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, is this, like, like, is this seriously the same team? Seriously? You know, like, I got, I got to go out here with the same guys this year. This is the same team that you're giving me. Like, he almost seems as, as, as frustrated with the team as we do. Um, I, I keep waiting for him to have that, that carry on the back string. You know, that four or five. Yeah. He's had it. He's come close, but if you were going to – so, look, we are where we are. There's nine games left. They have a chance to make the playoffs. I don't think anything – you know, Art uh, Staple has said many times, this is the core that they're going with, that Garth kind of – as you said, Garth kind of believed we'll take one more shot with this core. I think that includes the coach. Mm-hmm. I think if they, if they don't win a playoff series, I think the coach is gone. Um, I'm, I have very little company in that regard when it comes to Cal. Um, but, um, I, I do think that, I think this is his swans. I think he's coaching like it too. I think that's the decision to start Brian straight the other night in what is a huge game because he doesn't trust a rookie because his job's on the line. Cause if they were to collapse and not make the playoffs, Dom, he's done. Oh yeah. I mean, if they, if they, if they were to collapse and not make the playoffs, he is absolutely done. There's, there's zero doubt in my mind yeah. that if they didn't. But, but we are where we are. There's nine games left. What and, – and again, I want to keep it on the ice. J.F. Rube uh, played wonderfully the other night. My son, uh, Casey, today, when he was playing goalie with his brother, wanted to be uh, J.F., kept saying, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm J.F., I'm J.F. So he's captured the imagination of the children. Nice. Um, and apparently Art Staple, who thinks he's going to be yeah. a starter next year and they're going to trade Yarrow a while, while. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that. But, um, okay. but I want to deal with the team now uh, as it stands on the ice. Nine games left. Do you, who do you think plays more down the stretch? Uh, Grice or Berube? Oh, I think it's still Grice. I yeah, mean, I think unless, so too. Unless, like, in this back-to-back, Barube, like, throws a shutout and Grice just absolutely folds. Like, I think they'll still do that. Um, but right. and, I, and I do think they need to give – you know, Grice's numbers have been amazing, but he has – like most goalies, even in the NHL, you know, he, he's, he's shown weaker numbers when he gets lots, like, too much work or, or, or too much. You know, it's very few right. goalies that you can really run with forever so i mean i think that's fine i think we're you know if they use barobe smartly uh it'll be good um i i know it's a ridiculously small sample size 
my buddy was at the game last night. He's been an Islander fan for 40 years. He's had season tickets his whole childhood and stuff. He's seen a lot of hockey. And he said something to me last night. I couldn't believe he said, I'll tell you what, Steve, he looks the part. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, his feet yeah. are quick. He's very athletic. He, you know, he seems to have uh, uh, a real gambler's mentality. Um, he yeah. seems to have a little arrogance to him. He said he looks the part of a number one goalie. From the limited sample size that you've – I think he looks like he's swimming a lot. But yeah, from the limited sample size that you've seen, did they maybe uncover a little bit of a gem here? I, I, I would believe a gem relative to – how they got him, you know, right. kind of guy yeah, yeah, buried yeah. in the minors and waiver claim. I, I, I don't see more than that, kind of because of the swimming mentality that that you mentioned. I mean, basically, if if you're a good NHL goalie, that means you're just a few degrees better than the the career AHL goalie, which means you're a fundamentally sound positional guy who also has a little bit more, whether it be reflexes or, or reading the play or something that makes right. you at that difference. Unless you're like Lundquist or Tim Thomas or Hasek, one of those guys who's, who's absolutely acrobatic or unorthodox enough to, to, to be that few degrees better than even like average or good NHLers. And so, I mean, the way he plays, I don't know. I remember Kevin Poulon having like the arrogance yeah. and the attitude of a number one and, and, and some of that, you know, acrobatics, I guess, but, but, not the sound fundamental. So so I kind of right. worry about him. I mean, it's actually kind of funny, like, Halak's strength is that he's calm and square and always yes. steady, you know, which is a very nice thing if he's good enough to, to be a, an NHL level or average, at, you know, slightly above average goalie. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's, you know, Grice probably – quote, battles a little bit more and does it. And I, I don't know. There's such thin degrees. So I see in Barube, like, potential. I, I Probably I'd be happy with him as a backup. I mean, I was glad, kind of glad that they kept him around just because of that and because I've seen Halak's injury history uh, with multiple teams now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, is it anything more than that? I wouldn't believe it. But at the same time, when you sign Halak for four years and at that age and salary, um, you, you probably have to be looking at the end of his contract to think that, you know, maybe he'd be replaced, or maybe you dish him off to move that money elsewhere. And I'm, yeah. I don't think based on Barube's sample, you necessarily want to do that. But I get why they might consider that an option, especially if they're frustrated by like injuries or training or anything else that was suggested. The, um, go ahead, Cal. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to say it had been suggested on your site a bunch in the commentary in the commentarium. Um, where uh, people have caught up with the system, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where the guys weren't having as much success playing in Capuano's system as they did last year, and they don't seem to be playing as fast. They don't seem to be playing um, uh, the, or buying into the same defensive uh, sort of uh, philosophies that Capuano preaches. Have you seen that um, as well? Do you buy into that at all? I I definitely think that's possible just to, to kind of try to explain what's going on, but also um, it's their breakouts, like even Ugh. in the, man, <laughs> yeah. Even like a couple years ago, the, the you know, the, the drop off after the first playoff appearance and then back last year, 
mean, there was something impressive about this sort of very quick, quick decision, quick passes, quick coordination on their breakouts out of the zone. They, the wingers would make passes from the boards to the center or whoever else was breaking out that were like, those are things that don't happen unless everybody's on the same page yeah. and, and have, have done those drills well. And you just haven't seen as much of that at all this year. And, it, you know, I, 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 could, I could believe that, you know, the, the book is out on them, and on the Capuano Islanders. And, and, you know, in hockey, there's, so, there's still such a, a thin margin between every team. And, and so there are so many just, like, narrow sliv, slivers of, of variables. I could definitely see that being one, combining with the, the sort of maybe stalled growth or motivation or whatever of, of those three youngsters we talked about too. Um, and, and, you know, teams reading the, the, the breakouts and pinch-ins that the defensemen were doing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that's part of it. And I think that's probably why coaches don't tend to last as long as Capuano has, unless they like have a cup in there that sort of gives them the, the brass balls when they walk into the locker room during a slump, you know, <laughs> that, that keeps the respect up for, for a long time. So, yeah, short answer, I'd buy it. (laughs) The other thing that Steve talks about a lot, and he's probably better to talk about this, but his theory on Tavares is that you double-team him, you triple-team him, you put all your guys on Tavares, and then he can't do anything. And maybe that's affecting him. And if he can't do anything, and you're putting two or three guys on Tavares, you're leaving guys open, where are they? Where's the right. help? And no They're one stepped up. Help. No one stepped up. I mean, if, if if we're going into these last nine games, you've yeah, totally, Cal. Like, and I was I was uh, I was saying before that's going back to that original point about Lee Stroman Nelson. Like, those are the guys that were supposed to step. Like, Lee was supposed to be able to play on Tavares's line. He just was. He was supposed to be the guy, or Nelson was. You know, they tried Strom there for a while on right wing, which Strom is a center. Like, why won't they play him at center, Dom? Why won't they play him at center? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, he's just so miscast as a wing. Why doesn't he play center? I, I, yeah. I, I, think that, I think that goes back to their philosophy of the, 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 the two-way, 200-foot player and, you know, was he, right. was he showing that? But, it, it, you know, the reports from Bridgeport, Bridgeport were, were that he was – uh, by the time he, he he graduated initially from there, um, yeah. So I don't know, but I think it's because he has that wrist shot, and so you're thinking like, okay, the reason why people can double and triple team Tavares and make him basically have to do a magical deke on NHL caliber defense every time he enters the zone is right. because they didn't have a sniper, a true sniper on his wing who scared him. Like even even a Chris Kunitz type that at least makes player like teams think twice about overcovering Crosby or yes. something. And and so I, I imagine that Oh, I think we lost Dom. Are you there, Cal? I'm here. Oh, I think we lost Dom. Shoot. Hope he calls back in. He was making a very salient point about not having I a know. sniper on that on that line and, and that was I was about to say that was supposed to be a poso. Um you know that that's supposed to be Kyle Poso. Kyle Poso is supposed to have that wrist shot from the right wing on JT's line. And Staple made a great point today, Cal, that you can't put those guys together anymore because no. the, the, oh, the puck possession is terrible. Yeah, that that ship has sailed. 
because they both turn the puck over at, at such alarming rates when they're on the same line, and nobody has any defensive responsibility whatsoever. So the problem with that then is who? How do you how do you shake this out? And that's been Capuano's issue is he keeps shuffling guys onto that line. He can't yeah, find the right combination. It's, it's, it's also too much. Like you have to have a line for. You know, you have to have a line together for more than 10 minutes. Hey, Dom, welcome back. We, um, hey, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all. We were just saying, this is what I was going to say. That guy, that right wing who's supposed to make you think twice, is, it was supposed to be a poso. And I, thought yeah. that, and I thought that Staple made a great point today about um, how you, you, um, you can't put those two guys on a line anymore. Because because the turnover rate is so ridiculous, like they both turn the puck over so often, and nobody has any yeah. defensive responsibility, and it's a shame because they're the only two guys who know each other. Right. You know, I mean, you can make the you can make the argument that Nielsen Bailey and Oposo is a line that knows each other very well and has played a lot together, but they, they're they're two guys that know each other very well. Somebody made a comment on your site, Dom, that I thought was amazing, and maybe you can recall reading it because it was really good and it was recent. It was either yesterday or today about going to watch them in Dallas with like a minor league hockey coach. Mm. Does that sound familiar? No, I don't think I saw that. Oh, it's such a great comment. The guy said he basically hadn't watched the Islanders all year, this coach, but Uh the guy who had gone to the game had, and he broke down the Islanders perfectly. Like, and he's a minor league coach. And he, yeah. was, he like broke down exactly why they, why their breakouts weren't working. Why, you know, he said to um, the Islander fan that he was with this coach, he said, do these guys, did these guys play on together on lines a lot? <laughs> and he's like, no, he's like, that's kind of a common problem. He's always shuffling the line. He's like, yeah, it's obvious. These guys don't know where the other guy's going to be. They seldom put tape to tape passes together. Their breakouts are horrendous. They go behind the net and they don't know when a guy's going into the slot. Like this, this minor league hockey coach broke down the Islanders perfectly. That's awesome. It was, it, was a, it was a great post. I think it was on the, maybe the bits from today or whatever, but um, okay. Yeah. Do you think, do you think nine games left? I keep going back to this because there's still a chance <laughs> for them to get their stuff together here. And get a little hot going to look. This team went eleven two and two recently. Yeah, yeah. And it was the least impressive eleven two and two of all time. <laughs> like, like. Totally. <laughs> they were nine games. They they went eleven two and two over a fifteen game span, and people were like, uh, "What's wrong with them?" The penalty killing has been bailing them out all year. Their goaltending. This is what I was telling Cal. The big differences from this team from last year to this year are the PK is world's better. Yeah. Which is obviously important in playoff hockey. And the goaltending has been exceptional. The goaltending has bailed them out all season. Right. So those are the, and the other, the only other big difference I can see going into the playoffs, if they should make them is Hamannick. I mean, it's, it's if, if Hamannick is healthy for the playoffs. Yeah. That's Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the only real True. difference in the team from last year to this year. You know, <laughs> otherwise, the power play is, is – is, what's wrong with the power play, Dom? What's wrong with it? Man, I – gosh. Okay, so I think this is where we – like you were talking about Lee earlier. Right. And 
you know, if he's on Tavares's line, normally they have to have somebody else who, you know, can carry the puck and, and, and do things from outside. But it's great. Stick with Lee in front of the net. Like, that's perfect. That's yep. – you need that guy. He, he makes the ruckus. He gets, you know, Chris Letang pissed off. Uh, Agree. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But the I, – and I've always wondered under weight, like if – under Doug weight, if, if – when things are working nicely, they're beautiful and they look like they're scripted on some, you know, artist's canvas. But right. when they're not, they're trying to do too much or they're waiting for the perfect play – and and this is another thing too. I don't get like when the coaches complain about the power play, they complain about the guys being too cute and not getting shots on where you just need to get shots on. Yet they they continue to not do it. They continue to seem to look for for magical plays. Um, so for me, that that's the biggest thing. I'd also you know, I, I guess you need Boychuk for for PK and other stuff. So so that's why they don't have him featured as often on the on the top unit. But yeah. I would just do that. Or now that you have Polak up, like use him number one. Like get that cannon going. Get yeah. get the the rest of the penalty killers thinking about that shot and thinking about broken bones and, and that sort of thing in the middle of Absolutely. play. Cal um, is shaking his head furiously and laughing. <laughs> I've heard I've I've heard this before. Yeah, exactly. It's and he'll new. never do it. He'll never do it. He'll never do it. Yeah. And it makes sense to put Pollock on the uh, on the first uh, excuse me the first unit power play because he doesn't kill penalties. Exactly. You're not using him much otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, totally. That's when he should be getting minutes. And oh, he quarterbacked the power play all of his time at Bridgeport. Like, it it makes zero sense. It's such poor. Oh, he stinks. He stinks. (laughs) He just does. He his. This team has a ceiling, right? Their ceiling is to make the playoffs and maybe win a round. Maybe yeah. win a round. That's their ceiling. They're not going to win a Stanley Cup. There's no chance. And he has yeah. a ceiling as a coach. He can probably get a team to the playoffs. That's about it. Yeah. Because if he goes into a series with Barry Trotz again or, you know, I mean, whoever they'll face Vigneault. in Tampa Bay, yeah, or Vigneault, or he's going to get out. Coach, uh, who's Tampa Bay's coach again? I'm sorry. Um, uh, Cooper, Cooper, yeah. Thank you. Cooper is going to Cooper's going to pull down his pants and embarrass him. I mean, he's he's going to he gets out coached by all these guys, all these guys. That's the famous JT other the the other JT lament is that even when they have home ice, like even when they're at home and they have last change, he right. somehow can't get a matchup for JT. Right. Like he somehow can't get his first line on against the other team's third or fourth line. Somehow. Somehow they're always out there against Sidney Crosby. What, what, <laughs> what are you doing? That means John Tavares has to play two ways. He doesn't like to play two ways. It, uh, I love them so much. It's very frustrating. It's, I think that if you were – okay, so – I know you guys play line bingo, or you or your commenters play line bingo on the site. But I'm gonna I'm making you play line bingo, and then I'm gonna make Cal play line bingo. Okay, they have nine games left. I think right. they are making the playoffs. I do. Yeah, I do too. Okay, so game one. Uh, I'm not saying Grabowski's healthy because I don't think he's gonna be. Right. So go with the skaters that we have now. Game one, Dom, give me your lines. Oh, man. 
Yeah. It's not easy. It's no, not easy. It, I'll it start with whatever. No, it shouldn't. And whatever it is, I just want it to be what they kind of use and stick with for the final nine games. Because yeah, no, totally, the, totally. I get during the season, you know, guys get like there's that fine balance between consistency and knowing where you are and sort of settling for routine and showing up to work and just mailing it in each day. So I understand the the occasional shakeup, but like that that time is over. They need to figure out what they're going to do and stick with it so that they are in sync so that when the pressure ramps up and the speed of the four checkers ramps up and everything, you know, that they are able to, to know exactly where to go when they have to make a split-second decision. Um, totally agree. So, totally. And it's a uh, great point. I don't I'm sorry. I could make up some lines for you, but I have nothing brilliant to say here. It's just I, the, that's no, mostly. Just, I mean, you watch them. You watch them on a nightly basis and stuff. I do too. Yeah. Like I, I, I think there is something to the idea that people who watch this team a lot, who have watched a lot of hockey, like I can see on nights where he's made switches and stuff like that. That's not going to work. <laughs> or like, right. Or like this isn't going. What are you doing? Like this isn't going to work. At all. Or or you'll see one and you'll be like, ooh, okay, all right, maybe this will stick for more than twenty minutes. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting that even after the the like shutout in Dallas, he he stuck with the same lines, you know. Yes, for, of course. For actually two games in a row, I'm like, huh? Right. Maybe he's also saying. Um, right, but you make it. You make an extraordinarily valid point with the lines, and that is, you got nine games left. You're probably going to make the playoffs. Let's put some guys together for nine games, and let yeah. let them develop some chemistry going forward. Uh, into the playoffs because everything does get much faster. And I, I think that top line has to be, has to be uh, Tavares Lee. And I don't know. <laughs> would you put, Strong. would you put, would you put Prince back up there? I want Strome playing center. Like in my, in my, in my yeah. mind, he's playing center. Yeah. See, so move Nelson off of center. Yes. Yeah. Because of the two of them, I know they both can play center. Of the two of them, I see Strom as a center more. I just do. Yeah. I could I could be entirely wrong, but I see, It's I, funny last year I wouldn't have said that cuz I was like Nelson is that guy. Nelson's becoming yep. that, you know, Franz yep. Nielsen with size and yep. and maybe even more offense. But this year I yeah. Yeah. I would I I I mean, you can't put Prince on that first line, can you? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I like him a lot, by the way. I do too. Yeah, it's a nice pickup, but yeah, it's. I mean, twenty-three-year-old you know. kid. He he plays hard. He skates hard. He's got decent hands. I don't. I'm not. He's got to work on his shot. But he, that one goal he scored where he pulled the puck out of the air and kind of got it on his stick and and was able to rip yeah. it by, was showed real good hands. I thought. Um, and he plays hard. He's clearly playing mm-hmm. hard. Um, I no, I like him. He's a good pickup. He's obviously better than like Bernier. Um. For that, like extra forward. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who you then. I don't know who you put on that that line on his. You leave Bailey there, I guess. Oh boy. <laughs> Josh Bailey. I guess. Uh, sure, he's a nice kid. They've invested seven years in this kid. Seven years. Yeah. He's still only like twenty six years old. He's been on the team for thirty five years. Um. I, yeah, I you know Franz and I always kind of think Franz and Kuhlman should be on a line together. Um, 
because I think that's a really good checking line. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, trademark best fourth line in hockey. Um, <laughs> what did you think of that game in Flor- or, you know, at home against Florida? where he started moving everybody around and you saw like Clutterbuck play on like a second line and, and right. What did you think of that? I really like Clutterbuck and I feel, you know, like people complain about the trade for various reasons and like, Oh, just for a fourth liner. And, and you know, I don't care what you think about the trade. The one thing I'll say is like Clutterbuck is not a fourth liner by any definition of the word no, he's, he's not he's a luxury to have on a fourth line and he frankly makes that fourth line way more functional than it would be otherwise yep but so it, it, and bless him for accepting that assignment but if you're I, I kind of felt betrayed almost like okay if you're willing to move clutterbuck around at different times why the hell is it taking you this long like Play right. some games where you don't use the fourth line on a regular rotation and you move Clutterbuck around because somebody else is doing the Josh Bailey disappearing act or something, you know? Right. Like, when you were yeah. asking me right now, I was actually thinking, hey, what? maybe this is the time to do Clutterbuck next to Tavares and just see what happens, you know? You got somebody who's going to bang bodies and, and who does yes. have a, a, an underrated shot, you know, and has yep. the confidence to take it, so when they're – and who has history with with JT too? Um, yep, that's what I was. So I, I mean, play together in juniors. Yeah, yeah. And, and so honestly, that's what I thought was I was like, damn it, I had, I kind of resigned myself to that. You're just never ever breaking up this line for any <laughs> extended period of time. But you know, no, he, he's a weapon that that could be used even more than he is. Um, I'll tell you what, it, I didn't hate I didn't hate Strom on that line with Suzuki no. and Martin either. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah because they they generated some really nice chances, and I think that gives Strom a chance to kind of see like Martin to me is a good guy to have on Strom's line because yeah, Martin, I is think gonna, so. Martin is going to and, and so is Zizekas. They're they're really good four checkers. Martin's going to bang bodies in the corners, and he's been he's gotten much better at digging out pucks. He really has. He's gotten much mm-hmm. better in the corners at digging out pucks and getting, you know, moving them along to Sezikis or whatever. And Strom can kind of play that game where he just hangs around. Yeah. You know, he hangs around yeah. the circles or he hangs around the dots. And I, I, you know what? We may be onto something here. <laughs> <laughs> because I would, you could see a line of Tavares, Lee, and Clutterbuck being interesting. Very, very yeah. interesting. And, yeah. and, and you could put Lee, boy, that's not bad. And, you know, Clutter kind of protects Tavares on that line, too. Exactly. Yep. He's taken a lot more runs this year than I've seen in previous years. A lot more runs. I, th- I think guys have taken a lot more runs at him this year uh, at Tavares than I've seen in previous years. Um, yeah, I, I just, whatever they do, I totally agree with you. Do it now and stick with it for nine games and quit playing around. Right. Uh, they, uh, you you really encapsulated the season quite well. It has been, for me, maddening. For Cal, it's been uh, it's been okay. You know, <laughs> Cal's just been kind of hanging back. Cal, will you? Uh, we we've decided that Cal Clutterbuck's going to play on John Tavares's right wing. <laughs> Might as well. They played in juniors together. There you go. That's what there we were saying. Go. There's a history there. Right? No, don't you think that's don't you think that's a solid? He'll never do it. But don't you think yeah. that's that would be like going forward? I would play Lee Tavares Clutterbuck, 
I would play Nielsen, Kuhlman, and Bailey. Or, I mean, uh, Oposo. I would play Bailey, Nelson, and Prince. And I would play Strom, Martin, and Sezikis. And, and Dom and I were just saying the other night when they ran Strom out with Sezikis and Martin, that was a pretty good line. It was actually a pretty good line. I don't know. They generated some opportunities. I think it's a good line for Strom. I, I think feel like I, those guys do things that, that help him to just kind of free him up. He's never going to do it. Stupid. He's never going to do it, ever. Exactly. It's such a stupid thing with yeah. this team, but I think that the identity of the team is the fourth line. Yeah. That's the identity I, of the team. I think this year it's very much become that. Right? I think it's they like, have become the identity of the team. Yep. It's like, it's like if you have a team in baseball that their identity is their middle relief. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not the your your rotation and it's not your cleanup hitter and you know, it's not the obvious identities that you would associate with a contending team. This team, the identity is the fourth line. The best fourth line in hockey. <laughs> but that, yeah. I and I think that's an interesting point you make, Cal, because I think the identity of the team last year was Tavares. Right? It was this it was this superstar, burgeoning uh, superstar, going to win the heart every year, and 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 he's not this year. He's not. He's been, you know, by all accounts, by his accounts, pedestrian. Mm-hmm. And the fourth line has become the lead on NHL Network. Right. You know, when they start talking about the Islanders and they're doing the Islander highlights, it's the best fourth line in hockey. That's what they lead with. I mean, Tavares still gets his his due, but not nearly as much as last year. Great. We're known for our fourth line. Great. Uh, Dom, <laughs> we've kept you on for over an hour, buddy. I, I really appreciate it. I want to wrap up and ask um, uh, and let you go because I'm sure you have a diaper to change. Um, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know Cal has one more thing for you, and I have one more thing, so I'll, I'll go first. Give me your uh, uh, prediction. I mean, give me – can this team – I think this team, as currently constituted, can win a playoff round. I think they are very much capable of it, unless it's the Capitals. Yeah. I think they can against anybody else. Do you think this team can win a playoff round? Do you think this team will win a playoff round? Uh, I I think they definitely can. I think the odds are better than 50-50 that they do. Um, Yeah, it just kind of depends on that matchup and, and, you know, what the health situation is once – once everything starts, I, I don't think they're going to have home ice advantage, so they're going to have to contend with that. But, um, you know, they can beat the Rangers. I, I, although the Penguins have been scarier lately, I think they could beat them. Um, and they could maybe even beat, you know, if they fall all the way, they could beat who they draw uh, from the Atlantic side. But um, will they? Uh, yeah, I would say it's around 50-50 at best. And oh, oh, and I'm sorry. One more for me. Off season wise, let's just jump to that. Oh, that was uh, mine. T- so go ahead, take it. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm <laughs> sorry, Cal. Go, 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 go. No, no, no. I was just sneak preview because I'm sure we'll talk before then, and there'll be plenty of time to to go through this. But I'll give you the three big guys, the three big unrestricted free agents for this team, and you tell me yes or no. Your gut that they will be back, and that's the answer today on March 25th. It, that that can change between now and, and then. Um, Oposo, Nielsen, 
Matt Martin. What do you think? I think just Nielsen. I think the other two are gone. I think part of the reason you guys have, have you know, the, the, the attention to the fourth line, I think probably prices Martin out. And, and I wonder, you know, whether or not there's a coaching move. Uh, I wonder if, if they need to be on the same, if the GM and the coaching to be on the same page. And, and I mean, the one, the one thing a GM can do is take away a coach's favorite tools. Um, and, and so I think that might be a change that, that just sort of happens. Oops, sorry, Jack, or, or sorry, new guy, but we, you know, we couldn't afford that for that position. So, no, I think Nielsen's the only guy, and partly because I think he's likely to take kind of an undermarket deal, whereas uh, I definitely understand why they wouldn't want to uh, commit sort of, you know, seven-plus for, for seven years or whatever to Oposo. Okay, and, and quick, quick follow-up. What are the odds Matt Martin winds up on the Rangers? <laughs> oh, man, I hadn't even thought of that. That's not that's my biggest fear. You jerk. Pretty good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say they're excellent. Yeah. And wow. now they're completely now that's completely gonna happen. Oh, I mean, he, totally he, he unfortunately unfortunately for us, he is like the perfect guy for them that they need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is funny. exactly what they need too. That's funny. Oh, I hate you so much, Cal. Oh I, <laughs> how dare you. Haven't you done enough to me this year with the Islanders? Haven't you done enough? Uh, listen, I am trained in worst-case scenario management. Um, so that's where I always go, and it just the pieces fit too much. Right. If the, if, the Islander, if the Islanders don't bring him back, I could see him going there. I could totally see him going there, too. But I could also see the Islanders bringing him back. I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's, a, sure, I don't think it's a sure thing that he's gone. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Even, I mean, if I have to pick one way or the other, I'd say he's gone, but I definitely, that doesn't mean I'm thinking, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, uh, I would agree with the assessment. I don't think they're going to give Oposo the, the time or the money. I don't think they're, I think they are going to give it to Nielsen because I think they like his game the best as well. I think Garth likes his game the best as well. Um, and I, I think Martin's going to be back. I do. I, I personally think they will bring Martin back um, because I think he showed himself this year to be more than he, he's gotten better every year that he's played. And I think he's, a, he's an extraordinarily useful player. And I think he's an important guy in that locker room. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what the money is. We'll see what the cap is. Now, are they trading Yara Halak? <laughs> As our stable <laughs> seems to think they are. And, do you think that we, we didn't touch on this? And I think the last time we spoke was, um, or maybe we talked to Dan um, when Travis Hamannick had yeah. asked for his trade. Um, but do, do you think Travis Hamannick gets moved uh, this off season? Uh, I, I think so because I feel like yeah, there are probably matches out there that are not like for like defensemen. And so I, I, the way I read it is, if they're going to make this change in the middle of the season, they need an exact replacement for him. But if they wait till the summer, they can actually use that to kind of shift, you know, the assets and maybe they bring in that forward that they want, you know, to play with Tavares or play with someone else. And it, meanwhile, you know, Polak graduates and, and other guys step in, you know, maybe Adam Pellick or, or, or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, unless his situation changes, I think they'll be able to honor that request. Um, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And I think waiting to the off season does 
exactly what you just said. I think it, it I think it means that they can make that trade for a forward as opposed to having yeah. to get a replacement for a Travis Hamannick in a play in what they consider to be a playoff year. Um where now, you know, everybody wants Taylor Hall, right? Nobody? Anybody Taylor Hall? No good. I'll take him. I'll take it. Um, if that's on offer, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> you're you're going to have to sweeten the deal a little bit, but not too much. Sure. That's um, fine. I mean, Hamannick's, Hamannick's contract also makes him like eight times more valuable of an asset. Exactly. Than he is at just a player. I mean, it's the player, the age, and the contract that make him. Yeah. You don't have to sweeten it too much. You probably no, and the right-handedness, which is like the, and you right know, the lefty right. pitcher somehow for defense. It is. It's like a lefty specialist. All right, get going, Dom. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Congratulations on the baby, um, number two. Um, Thanks. Number, yeah. t- number, number two? Number two, yeah, and we're nice. done. That's not That's feeling it? the full lineup. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep, join the club. Got uh, Cal's got two, I got two, PJ's got two, yeah. and that's it. Wrap it up. That is, Wrap yeah. Up. Yeah. <laughs> We're all set here. Thanks. All... Thank you, guys. This was cathartic. That's yeah, it's been great for us, too. Anytime, Dom, please uh, absolutely keep up the great work with the site. Um, it really is uh, a place I know Cal and I go every day. And uh, we'll see you in the playoffs. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, have you and Dan on, and uh, we'll do a little playoff roundtable. All right. That'd be great. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Dom. Be good, brother. All right. Take care. Thanks, Dom. Nice. Dominic Jansky, once again, from LighthouseHockey.com. Uh, go check that out. That is the best place for Islander news. And um, a great conversation. Cathartic for me, too, I feel like. Do you feel better? I, I have feelings. Okay. Okay. Are you, in, are you more in control of your feelings at this point? Yes. Okay. That, that was the intent, I think. It's nice to know that Dan and... Dom are, are basically doing the exact same thing we are. Right. So it was nice to, nice to talk to you, <laughs> the summer George. For uh, yeah, you're gonna you know, need. I think you're gonna need a conversation with Dan. Separately. We're gonna have to get Dan on. Yes. But I think you're gonna lead that conversation. I'm gonna sit back right. and listen to that one. That'll. Uh, it's interesting if we can get the four of us on at once. Right. Because that was Be all for me. Just like that was just like me picking your brain. For, for an hour and 15 minutes, but as if we hadn't talked all season long. Right, right. But, I mean, obviously, Dominic is much more of an expert than I am, but we, wow. we kind of are on the same wavelength, at least. I, w- I would not say anybody's more of an expert uh, than you. I think you're a very astute hockey fan. I admittedly have not watched much of the season. That so does I, not I make cannot... you any less of an astute hockey fan, though. I cannot claim expert status. On this if team, I'm not watching, if I'm not watching it, exactly. Right on this team, but overall, your hockey knowledge is very strong. I feel like. Oh, thank you. I'm part Canadian. 